I'm Nikki Herta, and this is Bright, Stories of Hope and Innovation in Michigan Classrooms, a podcast where we celebrate our state's educators and explore the future of learning. Let's dive in. As human beings, music has the power to enchant us, to connect us, and also to teach us. Ben Ashby, or Senor Ashby, as he's known in his Spanish classroom, has been teaching face-to-face for 16 years and online for 13 years. Both at Zeeland Public Schools and online through Michigan Virtual, he has taught both Spanish and physical education courses to students. Music plays a significant role in both Ben's online and face-to-face classrooms. He believes that music offers a powerful way for students to engage with learning and cites research demonstrating its efficacy in aiding in language acquisition. His YouTube channel has nearly 5,000 subscribers from around the world where teachers and students alike benefit from his wide library of hilarious songs and immersive language learning videos. During our conversation, Ben and I talked about the role music plays in learning, how online teaching has influenced the way he runs his face-to-face classroom and vice versa, and his hopes for education as we look to the future. You mentioned that you have a passion for uh, using authentic Spanish music to aid in teaching. Um, And I'd really like to hear more about this. I hear that you are YouTube famous in middle school Spanish classrooms across the nation and maybe the world, it sounds like. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk more about how, about this and why music itself can be an effective vessel for teaching language. So I love music and I think we've all had that you know, moment in time, or it's probably all the time where you just have that song that's stuck in your head, right? And I think it's for a reason because music is just one of the best ways to learn, in in my opinion. And there was a study that was done in, I think it was, I think it was German. It was not Spanish. It was not English. I forget which language it is. I think it was German where they were teaching a set of terms to students and they had all these different ways for the students to learn them set out and then there's different groups that came in and then they tested them and the group that learned through music retained it the best so that's kind of cool so there's definitely research that backs it up and you know so i i use music a ton i use kind of two types of music one is music that i've created or that other teachers have created where basically you know you take your learning outcome and you put it to music. I like rap, uh, so I like to pretend I'm a good rapper. So most of my music is rap. But, you know, there's plenty of songs out there, too, that other teachers have made with singing. And I sometimes I try to pretend I can sing, too. So that's kind of like one set. And I don't know about being YouTube famous, but I do have a lot of songs on YouTube. And um, so that's kind of fun. And then there's another type of music that you use in the foreign language classroom, which is like the authentic resources where you take the current music um, that's, you know, on the radio in Spain or Mexico, and then you use that. So they're hearing kind of the native speaking um, accent. And so we learn those songs as well. And there's just certain ways you can use those songs to teach, you know, the stuff you have to teach in Spanish one or two or three. You also mentioned that you do this tournament online. Um, yep. Can you say the name for me so I can get it right? It's called uh, Locura de Marzo. So it's like it's basically like March Madness in Spanish. 
You want to tell us about that? Yeah, so I started this about five years ago and basically like kind of like the March Madness tournament where you've got the college basketball teams going up against each other. Uh, I took 16 songs my first year, um, 16 authentic Spanish songs that I selected, and then I put them in a bracket and I had my students vote. And so you listen to two songs and then you vote for your favorite song to advance to the next round. And what I did was I threw it out to kind of my social media following and said, you know, what would, you, would anyone like to join us? Our, our class is going to do this. Do you want to join along? We can all vote together. And, you know, students might think it's kind of cool to see, you know, students from all across the country voting. So we did it this past year. It's kind of been growing every year. And we, we averaged about 60 or 70,000 votes per round. And so that was kind of cool. And we had every we had classes from every state participating. We had classes from um, every I think ten or eleven different countries from around the world. So it's kind of cool. There's a map on my website where you can kind of see uh, where all the different schools are from. It's just it's really cool. It's kind of mind blowing. The kids are always shocked. Like wow, this is this is you know worldwide. We have students voting and doing this all together. And then. What happens is we have this big uh, teacher group that I started in Facebook where we all just share resources. We have a big Google Drive with all sorts of resources that go with each song. So it's become kind of a big thing, and we do it every March, and we've just started doing one in October, too, called Loco Tubre. So we started that this year, so that's kind of like Crazy October. So we're doing March Madness and Crazy October. Yeah, it's got to be a cool experience for your students, too, just like realizing that they're participating with people all over the world, you know? Do you have any favorite uh, tech tools that influence the way that you run your online classroom? I make a lot of videos, you know, I, I love creating, I just love creating content. And so, you know, some of the most simple ones that I use regularly is uh, GarageBand and iMovie, which have been around forever. And, but you know, all of the music videos I, that I make for the most part, all the songs that I create are on GarageBand. And just even, you know, I just like to make, it doesn't always have to be music, but I just try to take anything that I think students will connect with and then try to create content surrounding that. So like I've made like a Harry Potter video where I take clips from the Harry Potter movies, but then found them in Spanish. And then just created all these series of activities that go with it or I've done it with like NBA players I have like a Steph Curry video where it's his all of his highlights but then it's me announcing his highlights in Spanish and then there's a bunch of activities that go with it so I mean yeah those have been around for forever but those are probably the two I use the most honestly what do you think it is about these sorts of activities that um, is so engaging for students like is it just the fact like the is the fact that it's like fun and engaging does it like help them like learn the material in a new way does it just help them connect to it like what's the what's the kind of magic of this you know number one you get you just got to connect with kids so that's the first and foremost it's got to be I, i'm of the opinion that if i look at my if i ever have like a behavior problem in class which is I mean, our kids are pretty great at Michigan Virtual and Zealand Public. They're awesome. But if I ever look back and be like, oh, I had a little behavior problem, the first thing I say is, well, my lesson plan 
must not have been exciting enough. You know, what have I, I got to connect with kids. So yeah, stuff like the Harry Potter example or the Steph Curry example, or I've done, you know, other videos like that. Uh, just something that kind of connects to their life, connects to pop culture even. Just something that when you put it on, you know, um, and it, when you put it on that kids will be like, oh, that's awesome, Harry Potter, I love those movies, or I've read all those books. Then it's like, just to start, you already have them interested. And so, but yeah, both of those two that I just talked about, the Steph Curry and the Harry Potter video, those are called uh, comprehensible input videos where basically um, I'm speaking in those videos, but I'm trying to speak in ways that students will understand using the vocabulary that they've learned. And so just kind of putting the language into context, I guess, whereas, you know, if you can get students to realize it's not just a list of vocabulary words, like you're actually learning how to communicate in a foreign language, that just creates another buy-in, I think, for students to really see the value in learning. Can you give me an example of a time uh, your innovations in the classroom had a real impact on a student? I think some of the ones that have blown my mind the most are just because I, like we've talked about, I do have a lot of videos on YouTube and then I have a website that um, teachers use to use get materials for their class. I think some of the craziest ones have been when teachers send me videos from other classes or states of their students like doing one of my songs because usually my songs involve like up being up and moving and stuff like that and so I think when whenever I see those I'm like oh that's so crazy that like those kids are doing like my songs because that was never really the intent initially and so like I there's a few on YouTube even where it's like a senior Ashby fan video of a class of students doing my songs. So that's like, oh, that's so crazy. Um, other students think I'm a lot cooler than my own students, but yeah. So I don't know. I just think it, like the other day I did, I made a video after school of myself. I made a song and then I made a dance that went to the song and I called it the Senior Ashby Shuffle. And then I put it on TikTok and then we had this big, contest where I was like challenging my students like who can do the senior Ashby shuffle on TikTok and get the most views um so just like stuff like that just kind of goofy stuff where then all of a sudden you get a whole bunch of kids doing that on TikTok and not even the kids you'd expect necessarily whether you're a student invents face-to-face classroom at Zeeland Public Schools or in his online classroom at Michigan Virtual you can bet that learning Spanish with Senor Ashby is going to be a fun and engaging experience. I asked Ben to tell me more about the differences between teaching face-to-face and online and how each modality has informed the way that he teaches the other. You know, the big difference this year, you know, it's becoming less and less of a difference because there's such a push for remote learning and teaching kids how to be independent learners and blended learning. But, you know, I would say the first thing, no matter whether you're teaching online or face-to-face, is just building relationships with kids. And it looks different when you're teaching 100% online. But, you know, the similarities there are, you know, I still try to use the same goofy 
rap songs or make the same goofy jokes um, that I would in my online classes I do in my face-to-face class. And, you know, kids have the same struggles face-to-face as they do online and, and just kind of how you build those relationships and what those relationships look like online is a little bit different, but they're still, it's still an important piece. This is something I've heard from every single online teacher I've spoke to is that relationships are the center of the online classroom, that that's kind of, you know, there's a kind of some misconceptions about that. You might think because it's online, like, oh, you don't talk to your teacher, but so many said, I actually form really, you know, great relationships with my students online because I have this one-on-one time to meet with them um, in the asynchronous model. Um, but you mentioned that it's, it looks different the way that you do it online versus in your face-to-face classroom. And I'm wondering if you could speak to that and keep kind of a practical mind to it of like, you know, what advice would you give a face-to-face teacher who is trying to build that in an online environment? I would say take your strengths of connecting with kids and make them work in the online environment. So like, for example, on the first day of class face-to-face, I always show, I always talk uh, about myself and my family because I think it's important for kids to connect with you as a person first. Um, And so, you know, in the online setting, I have this PowerPoint where I do two truths and a lie with my kids face-to-face. So I've made that same video and I make it new every year for my online kids. And so, you know, it looks different. It's not me delivering it in front of a classroom. It's me making a video. Um, I show pictures of my family um, day one in class. So I do that with my online students as well. I even, you know, I always uh, try to just make things fun. And, you know, I, I like to think that I'm pretty funny whether my students do or not. So. Um, I try to make the same stupid jokes I would make in the video. I've got like this weird picture of uh, myself holding my two-year-old son at the time. And then I Photoshopped the heads um, and made my son's head mine and my head his, so to speak. Um, And so, I don't know, I just, I have a bunch of jokes that I tell about that picture to my students. So, you know, it's, it's using your strengths. You know, it's not, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to kind of reinvent yourself a little bit and and do the same things you normally do, but just a little bit different. Um, You know, the other day I posted an announcement in class with one of my, you know, music videos of me rapping in Spanish with, you know, a bunch of things to try to grab the kids' attention, you know, asking them to comment whether or not, uh, I don't remember what I said, whether or not they think my rap was, I think I said um, cringe or goat or something like that, because those are the... The, my kids in middle school say that all the time. Oh, that's cringe or that's goat, which is like good, I guess. A term you'll hear often in the next part of our conversation is asynchronous. Since it's an important part of Ben's teaching style, let's take a minute and unpack it a little bit. At Michigan Virtual, our online courses are asynchronous. The prefix a here means not, and the adjective synchronous means at the same time. You can probably see where we're going here. Taken together, it means not at the same time. Learning in the traditional classroom is usually synchronous because all the students are typically in the same room, learning at the same time at the same pace. By contrast, students in an asynchronous environment do their learning at their own pace and on their own schedule. Usually, course content is available online whenever they're ready to access it 
and the teacher provides individualized feedback and guidance to students who are at all different parts of the learning process for that particular course. Over the years, Ben has come to believe in the value of having asynchronous learning time, even for students in face-to-face -face classes. I asked him to tell me more about how being an online teacher has shaped the way he teaches in person at Zealand and what asynchronous learning looks like in practice in his face-to-face -face classroom. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, over the years, have seen the value of sort of the kind of the non-synchronous uh, lessons that Michigan Virtual has where students can take their time and they can rewind and if they need help they can redo an activity or rewatch an activity whereas when you're doing something live you don't have that same you know you have to go at the pace of everybody else whereas when it's asynchronous you can go quicker if you need that you can slow down and so uh, yeah, I'd say about 10 years ago, I started developing my own kind of online Spanish curriculum just for my own students with tons of asynchronous lessons, just kind of things I've learned from teaching online of how to structure a lesson that'll connect with students and kind of give it my own twist, my own spin on it. And so for years, I've been doing blended learning in my own classroom. And then this year with COVID, there's, we, are, we have been face-to-face -face the majority of the year, but like right now we're remote. So uh, it was just a pretty natural transition to this push from all over Michigan and across the country to have these remote lessons ready to go. So yeah, I've definitely learned a lot and I've used everything I've learned from teaching with Michigan Virtual in my face-to-face -face room as well. Um. Could you speak to why that self-pacing is important and like what it does for your students? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think when you're pacing yourself in a course, you know, there's a whole nother skill set that needs to be learned along with that. You know, there's definitely a lot of teaching of how to be in a remote learner, how to be an independent learner. And so there's a lot of teaching that goes into it on my part, both face-to-face -face and online, you know, how do we do this? You know, um, what does it look like to go through this lesson on your own? So it's definitely a big learning curve, I think, for the students. But once they get there, it's just kind of what I was saying, you know, everyone learns at their own pace. And so there's plenty of students who want to be challenged and I just had a student online the other day and she did great in my Spanish two course, but she flew through it um, because she could. She's clearly, you know, was very interested in it, very committed to it. And she's done with her Spanish two semester already. And she did, she did great. But, you know, there's some students this year who might have, you know, might have to quarantine or have COVID or fall behind because they, you know, had some lessons they had to learn about how to be a remote learner. So it's just important that we allow for students to work at their own pace. And, and yeah, so that kind of asynchronous allows students to do that. And you said you do a lot of blended learning in your Spanish classroom, your face-to-face -face Spanish mm -hmm. classroom. Um, and you said you built a lot of your content so it can be done asynchronously. Um, so what does that kind of look like on a day-to-day -day basis for you when you're in class with those students? Yeah, it definitely depends. I mean, right now we're on a black schedule. And so I try to incorporate in my hour block, I try to have 
probably 30 minutes of that two-hour block, asynchronous kind of remote learning. And one of the reasons I do that, honestly, is because we have kids that are quarantined all the time. And so it's nice that they don't fall behind because they can continue to work at home. But yeah, I you know, even before this started, when even before the pandemic, I, I would check out for the last five years, I'd have like one day a week where I would check out the computer lab and I could have students working asynchronously while I am then going around helping students individually or, you know, pulling students out quickly to just kind of review a concept or it might be a day where I do my like um, oral proficiency testing with students. And so, yeah, just having valuable asynchronous learning that students can do, I think just opens up a lot of opportunities for students as well and for teachers. This past year has been unlike anything educators have ever experienced. I asked Ben to tell me more about what advice he has for teachers looking to try blended learning out in their classrooms and what hopes he has for the future as we work together to shape the next era of student learning. Do you have any advice for fellow educators who are looking to try out um, you know, blended learning? Maybe they're a little bit more open to it now than they were before. Well, I think everybody this year, I think, kind of got thrown into the fire. I think that people are doing blended learning now, like I said, in some ways, just out of necessity, they have no choice between the quarantines and the lockdowns and the remote learning. So, you know, my advice for creating blended learning content is just like you would try to structure your face-to-face lesson plans, make your blended learning lessons engaging, make the activities quick moving, um, you know, really think through each part of your lesson and make sure that it has value, but also, you know, like make sure that you're providing some fun in there too, some engagement. So like I've got a, a bunch of goofy arcade games that you can use for any sort of um, content. So like, for example, I think we all know kind of like the Flappy Bird game, you know. Um, you can use that for any sort of content. And so I'll throw it in, like if I've got two hard things that the students have to do that I know are going to be a little more challenging, then like my third activity might be, okay, you know, we're all going to play Flappy Bird for seven minutes and the high score, you know, I'll have them posted somewhere, you know, the high score gets a prize or something like that. But it's like every time your bird dies in Flappy Bird, then you have to answer a question is the way it works. And so, um, you know, there's still learning that's going on, but just giving kids brain breaks too in that remote learning, I think is important. I'm curious as we look to the future, um, and especially, you know, you kind of mentioned this at the beginning right now, it does feel like things are changing, right? Um, Online learning is becoming more prevalent, even in classrooms that maybe never were that way before. Um, And what what do you hope for the future? What do you hope to see as we emerge from this pandemic in terms of the future of learning? I think, you know, a year ago when people would hear online learning, there's a lot of mixed reviews, I think, and some 
some, you know, if you polled 100 teachers, I think you'd see at least half of them probably thought it didn't work or were negative towards online learning. And I hope that changes because I think that a lot of teachers are realizing that we got to be integrated. We got to have blended learning. It's got to, you know, we got to be ready to jump on these technology tools available to us to connect with students. I was just talking to a teacher today in the hallway and we were talking about, I was just saying, hey, how's the remote learning going for you? And and he was, you know, he was giving me some positives and some negatives. But one of the positives he said is, you know, what I like is when I have my Zoom open while students are working, you know, students can pop in and ask me questions and I'm getting way more one-on-one interactions with students than I would in a face-to-face classroom. So I just think teachers are seeing a lot of value to it and and, t- and students too and, and parents. I think we all are getting more and more familiar with what online learning looks like. And I just, I'm excited about when we come out of this, what type of hybrid blended learning, you know, environments we, we can incorporate. I mean, I think we're all gonna be better off. Teachers have learned a ton. Uh, I know that I have, I know a lot of the teachers in my building, they've just, it's been a huge learning curve, but now we get to take that and see how we can apply it into the future. After my conversation with Ben, I was left inspired by the effort he puts into making learning engaging and fun for students both in his online and face-to-face Spanish classrooms. He uses music to build relationships with his students, keep them immersed in the Spanish language, and help solidify their acquisition of new vocabulary. I also admired how, with over 13 years of experience teaching online, Ben learned to meld the best aspects of both online and face-to-face learning into a blended format that's highly effective for students. Part of being an effective teacher, after all, is trying new things and being adaptive. And Ben is constantly doing this, finding new ways to bring language learning to life for his students through music, humor, and relationship building. As we look to the future, we'll continue to celebrate Michigan educators, sharing their hopes, their fears, their dreams, and their beliefs in what's best for our children as we move forward into a new era of post-pandemic learning. Without a doubt, it's hard work to adapt, blend, and create highly engaging, immersive, and fun assignments for students. But with leaders like Ben forging our path forward, if there's one thing we're certain of, it's that the future is bright. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Bright, stories of hope and innovation in Michigan classrooms. This podcast is produced by Herbie Gaylord, is hosted by me, Nikki Herta, and is made possible by Michigan Virtual, a nonprofit organization that's leading and collaborating to build learning environments for tomorrow. Education is changing faster than ever. Discover new models and resources to move learning forward at your school at michiganvirtual.org.